It's Wednesday, September 26th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Allen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, from Motley Fool Pro, Brian Hinman, and from Fool.com financial editor, Mr. Austin Smith. Gentlemen, good to see you. Chris, hello, hello. We, all, we, all sur- we all survived Worldwide Invest Better Day. Barely. So, Not so, only did we survive, I think we're all a little bit better for it. I think we are. But uh, again, uh, you can go to investbetter.fool.com to check out the information if you missed it yesterday. <laughs> um, we get, we got a full docket today. We're going to talk a little Radio Shack. We're going to dip into the Fool mailbag. But we are going to start with Yahoo. On Tuesday, Yahoo's new CEO, Marissa Mayer, held a meeting with employees to share her plan to turn around the company. And guys, uh, big picture here, uh, some of the highlights uh, that Marissa Mayer uh, laid out for her company, uh, a focus on shifting to a mobile platform, a focus on personalization, being more partner-friendly, which obviously we, we like here at The Motley Fool since we're a partner, one of <laughs> Yahoo's many partners, uh, and something that uh, Mayer called the rule of 100 million, which was, uh, and Austin, I'll start with you first, uh, a rule that basically said, look, if, we're, if we at Yahoo are going to invest in something, we have to believe that it's going to scale to 100 million users or to 100 million in revenue. Uh, again, it's all big picture stuff. The details will come out presumably in the next weeks and months. But but what did you think? Uh, well, I mean, you know, when looking at 100 million and the sort of shift towards mobile, I think it's obviously on the user end. And go figure, Marissa Mayer from Google is going to you know make a shift towards mobile. Right. It, it was it was the natural leap to make. Uh, but I'm actually a big fan of it. Uh, you know, it, it's Yahoo's kind of in a, a rough spot right now, and, and Marissa frankly got dealt sort of a, a rough hand, but. This is, uh, you know, we know that that's where the eyeballs are going. She saw it firsthand at Google, and and I love to see that, you know, they're they're making a big bet on it, and uh, the the purchasing of mobile devices for all of their employees is, you know, just a step in the right direction. I'm a fan. So we don't we don't know much yet, right? This is this was big picture stuff, but uh, I do like the angle that she's taking here. Yahoo has had what four CEOs in you know just over a year's time, something something to that effect. Uh, there's been a huge brain drain, right? Yep. The, the, the good talent is leaving the company. So she's coming in. She did her sort of tour of the company, you know, spoke to the people she needed to speak to, and has basically tried to just add some stability. So she said, okay, uh, I want to put a little more focus back on keeping employees. Uh, you know, so she brought food and gave iPhones to everyone, which is uh, nothing new. This is Silicon Valley. This sort of brings, you know, Yahoo back up to par with everyone else. But it's a dedicated effort, concerted effort, to focus on the employees. Uh, she's also spoken a little bit about uh, re- realigning compensation. Uh, so she is concerned about the employees. And the other stakeholder that she's just now announced that she's going to turn to is partners. And, uh, you know, Yahoo has a ton of partners uh, that are vital to its business, Microsoft chief among them with their search deal. Uh, so the fact that she is, you know, come in and basically her first strategy session said, uh, I care about employees. I care about our partners. We'll figure the rest out from there. Uh, that's that's a good angle to go from. Well, and and back to the employee morale because I think that uh, you know it, it, as you said, Brian, it's pretty obvious over the last few years uh, m- morale's been kind of rough with the, all the turnover in the CEO office um, and coming in. And I, I, we, Austin, we were talking about this before we were taping. She came in and it wasn't that she gave everyone iPhones. She said, "I'm going to give every employee a smartphone." Um, and you have your choice of smartphones, except for BlackBerry. Yeah, I was say, except, <laughs> except for BlackBerry, because we're we're no longer going to be working with BlackBerry, you know, and it, that has to do with the tech contract. But I mean, that's 
that's yet another death rattle for, for Rim, isn't I, it? I, I feel like Rim's got about 30 final nails in their coffin at this point. <laughs> you know, the, the, the writing's been on the wall for a long time. I, I think what's also interesting when you look at the language from her, actually, is the emphasis sort of on Apple's iPhone instead of Google's Android devices. You, you obviously expect it to be the latter, but um, you know, just, just kind of an interesting tidbit that you and I pulled out that, you know, clearly the iPhone seems to be the, the focus both in her yep. language and in, uh, you know, an employee's eyes on, on this news. So it, in, interesting there that now she's sort of free from from the Google relationship and tie that she can go towards the Apple iPhone. Although, Big. although we did a little detective work and determined she did have an iPhone in her possession before she left Google. Allegedly, uh, it, I, it, it <laughs> seems. I mean, the, we you know did the forensic evidence look back at the reporting that the Guardian had done, among others. It, it, it seemed it seemed pretty clear. Um, as an aside, Tim Morse, uh, longtime chief financial officer, uh, also leaving the company, uh, new CFO Ken Goldman is going to be joining in October. Is that a red flag, or is that because we've talked in this room before about other than the CEO turning over, the position to watch most closely is CFO. Is this just sort of hey, Tim Morse has has sort of had his time, and there's a new CEO, and she wants to bring in her her new CFO, or is this is this a red flag? What do you think, Jason? I I don't think it's a red flag at all. I think it's it's actually a green flag. And if you look back over the past few years, Yahoo has seen their research and development essentially decline by about 20%. In other words, they're not really investing in the business, so to speak. And to compare that with something like Google, for example, which over the same time period, their R&D is more than doubled. And then if you look at the top-line revenues that follow from that, Google's revenues have, have more than doubled over that time period. And Yahoo's revenues have, have just, you know, obviously not followed suit. So I think that what we'll see <clears throat> with this new CFO is a, a new emphasis on, on R&D. I think they'll continue to spend to try new things. And I really like the focus on the ad, uh, the mobile ad platform, because uh, right now, and just plain old display ad, we're seeing Google continue to take off with that market share. And Facebook is now coming in there and taking away uh, Yahoo's market share. So Yahoo's, you, they're, they're losing share in the display ad. They need to figure out a way to pick up share in the mobile ad space. And, and I think that's going to be a prime primary focus uh, over the next few years, and you're going to see them investing some money in the business for that. Uh, I'm going to agree with Jason mostly on this, and I think this is probably a good thing for the last several years, for the last several CEOs, uh, the focus uh, from you know the finance office at Yahoo has been shedding employees and cutting costs. And that's a mindset, right? And so the CFO that was in place uh, had that mindset, and it is clear that Yahoo needs to do something different. Uh, and so they need a different mindset coming out of their, you know, their, the, the executive suite. And you know, they have Marissa Mayer to lead that charge, but she needs to put in place the, the people that she thinks have the right mindset to go forward. What do you think, uh, just to wrap up on Yahoo, because uh, the, the stock isn't really moving at all today on this news. And, and again, we're, we don't have tons of details. It's, it's pretty high level, sort of 50,000 foot view uh, in terms of her strategy. But what do you think is the next thing to watch with Yahoo? Is it more details on the mobile platform, more about partnerships? Is it just their next earnings report and sort of what comes out of that? What, what should investors be focused on? Austin, what do you think? I mean, it's, I, I'm definitely going to put my fo- my focus on the mobile move. I think that that's uh, a you know obviously a big place where Marissa is making a big bet, and I think that you you definitely want to see a clear strategy in that. And a lot of that, frankly, is going to involve a switch, in, in my opinion, from Microsoft's Bing to to Google. It, it's uh, sort of the logical next step, especially given her relationship with Google. So I would love to see that happen, and I would love to see a, a clear roadmap in the mobile mobile strategy. Market down slightly today, guys, but shares of Radio Shack are up slightly 
on the news that CEO James Gooch is stepping down immediately. <laughs> uh, that's always just like sort of a final kick in the pants when he walk out the door. Um, he's been CEO since May of 2011. Uh, Jason, over the past year, shares of Radio Shack down 80%. 80%. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's not good. <laughs> Um, they can still I mean, go down another 80%. Let's yeah, realize that. <laughs> that's right. It, it, it's, it can still go lower, and I think investors need to keep that in mind because I think right now Radio Shack is a company that ultimately is going to zero. And I hate to say that, but I just don't see a market for it. You know, We've talked about this sort of evolutionary chain of these big box retailers, and right now Best Buy is sort of chasing after that space that Radio Shack is now chasing after. And Radio Shack is suffering because Best Buy is taking that share from them. So then it's like, well, what does Radio Shack have left? And I think we're finding out that there's nothing, and uh, and and that's what we're seeing today. Uh, Brian, what do you think when you look at this company, <laughs> this company which has a market cap of about two hundred fifty million dollars and has thirty four thousand employees? I was stunned by that. It's uh, it's a little bit of a mess, Chris. Uh, so there are, there are two two problems I see with with Radio Shack. Um, the first is there's no draw to their stores. They have no unique merchandise. Uh, you know, their business model is essentially to uh, be there when you need something on, you know, in, in short supply if you don't have any time. Uh, and the other strategy that they've taken is to sell phones, which have extremely low margins. And they hope once they get you in there to buy the phone, they're able to tack on a sale of a high margin accessory product. Well, the way that they've attacked the, the phone angle is they you know, sign this deal with Target where they put kiosks in Target where they only sell the, the low-margin phones. They don't get sales of the high-margin accessories. So they are painting themselves into a corner into really low-margin sales, and we have no idea if that, you know, if that, if that Target strategy is going to work out. At the same time, you've got Best Buy saying, okay, we'll attack phones as well and come after you. The second problem is uh, there's a huge management credibility problem. Uh, it was two quarters ago uh, when things really started to slip in the stores. Uh, they came out and said, our dividend is safe. We'll protect our dividend. One quarter later, they said, uh, about that. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to suspend that dividend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a huge credibility problem here. Uh, so in all honesty, firing Gooch, who was the CFO and Julian Day's right-hand man beforehand, uh, is probably a good thing because you need to sort of clear the slate, get rid of that credibility problem, uh, and bring in some new blood. Uh, Austin, when we've talked before about Best Buy and, and other bricks-and-mortar retailers like GameStop. You look over the last, you know, as bad as those stocks have been, as struggling as those businesses are over the last one, two, and five years, Radio Shack is far worse than both of them. I mean, it's incredible. It, what What is the value in this company? Uh, there is none. And, and, and this is a company, you know, at, at any point over those last five years, you could have said it's extremely cheap. The turnaround's right around the corner. They've got all the pieces in place. The problem is they continue to move towards a worse and worse business model. And this emphasis on mobile phones that comes with those inherently low margins is, is just one other example of that. But there's no competitive advantages, as we mentioned. You also have your own companies like Sprint, Verizon, and AT&T as virtual kind of frenemies in that relationship. You know, there, there's, there's no reason to go to a Radio Shack over these other companies, uh, including Best Buy. There's just the, they, 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 they literally have nothing competitive to offer over those other branches. And let's be clear, too. I mean, in the move to smartphones and tablets, I mean, it's not like those margins are going to be getting any better anytime soon. I mean, the commoditization of those products just means the margins get thinner and thinner. And if you look, excuse me, if you look at Radio Shack's revenue over the last five years, while revenue has maintained relatively flat 
uh, their gross margin has ticked down about 10 percentage points, which means they're basically having to just cut these fire sale prices to get things out of the door. That's not going to get better, especially if they're just focusing on on these types of devices. Uh, So, you know, when you look at that and you look at the fact that this this company has 4,700-plus stores out there, which is tremendous overhead to maintain, their operating earnings just barely cover their net interest expense. Which is is not good at all. That means that they could barely afford to pay for the debt they have on the books, uh, you know. And then you think about the fact that there are about six hundred fifty five million smartphones that are predicted to be sold by the end of this year, and that's essentially just a little store in your pocket. So there's there's less and less of a reason to get out to a Radio Shack. And I think with all of these headwinds combined, I think it's going to be just too much for them to handle. And it's it's not just the commoditization of the phones either. I mean, those accessories are more likely to be commoditized. If you look oh, yeah. at Skullcandy and Zag Incorporated, two very high-margin companies. Uh, I mean, it, it's basically a brand advantage with Skullcandy. That, that's on tenuous ground. It was Zag Incorporated. I mean, it's, uh, they have some technology with their, their cases and their H2O, um, you know, protecting layers and whatnot, but still, they're very uh, ripe for disruption, even more so than the low-margin smartphones that that Radio Shack is hawking. So, tenuous grounds. Uh, Chief Financial Officer Dorvin Lively is now the interim CEO. Uh, Presumably, they're going to do a search and and bring in a permanent CEO. Any advice, either for Dorvin Lively or the next CEO? Is it just to look to find a way to shut this down, take it private? I mean, I'd probably not be taking options as part of my compensation package. <laughs> <laughs> Brian? Yeah, so I think it's, uh, like we said, there's no reason people have to go to a Radio Shack. So they need to get control of merchandise and get some unique, you know, some unique merchandise to cause people to have to come to their store for some reason. I mean, if you look at, uh, you look at the retail model in general, when we think of clothing, Right. If you're selling someone else's brands, when someone else around around you that has those same brands puts them on sale, you're forced to put them on sale as well. Right. That's the situation that Radio Shack is in. If it can control the merchandise a little better, have some unique, you know, some unique merchandise, it might be able to actually control pricing a little better, get get a little relief on the gross margins. Uh, good luck, though. Can they turn it into a bar, like a hip bar with accessories? <laughs> no, where, where people can like, drink a beer after realizing they just paid forty dollars. The, for the a problem, case. the problem is going it's to going into pain, Radio Shack is like as depressing as going into the DMV. So it's not even a place that you'd want to go have a beer. That's a really good point. Who really wants to go there in the first place? You can always email us. Radio at fool dot com is the way to get a hold of us. Uh, email from Justin Russell in Santa Cruz, California, uh, related to our conversation yesterday about the brand index survey about salty snacks and Ritz crackers inexplicably Ritz crackers (laughs) being the number one brand of salty snacks Justin writes uh, hey guys I hate to disagree with you but Ritz crackers with peppered salami and cream cheese is one of the greatest snacks ever way better than Cheez-Its now Justin's email goes on and we'll get to that in a minute but uh, Jason Moser you were in the room when we were Stunned at the notion that Ritz would be number one on the list. Uh, rebuttal? I was, and I, I I appreciate Justin's email there for all 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 he sheds on this because, you know, to his credit, what he says there that does sound pretty good. You know, a, a, a Ritz cracker with some cream cheese and salami or whatever that that sounds like he'd be pretty good. But but Justin, we're talking about chips as they stand on their own merit. Right. In other words, right when you pull it out of the box, naked of any enhancements whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So I want you know, we're tell me now, purists, tell me. 
now that a Ritz is, is going to hold up against a cheese. There's not, just no way. We're not arguing that Ritz isn't a good vehicle for other things. Hey, you throw a pepperoni and piece of mozzarella cheese on it, you got a pizza, and I'm all for it. I mean, that, that that's like calling a blank canvas the world's best painting because it's got potential, <laughs> right? Great. <laughs> apples to apples compares. I love it. Uh, Justin goes on uh, to write, I emailed a while ago about having won a hole-in-one prize at my father's memorial golf tournament. I took a bit of advice from around the table when you discussed my situation before and ended up with $2,000 invested in the following companies, Cummins, ticker symbol CMI, ConocoPhillips, COP, and Graftech International, GTI. I like that they have a connection to my towing business and seem to be something I can wrap my head around. Hopefully you approve. As always, thanks for the great work that you do and keep it up. Uh, he and his brother have uh, towing, uh, Mountain Valley Towing and Transport uh, is the name of their company in Santa Cruz. You can go to mountainvalleytowing.com. They've got a great new website streamlined and, and all that sort of thing uh, with some swag as well. So I figured, you know, since we helped them out again, let's just go around the table. Maybe not, obviously not recommendations because we can't give personalized advice like that. But one of the things we do at The Motley Fool is we, we champion the notion of having watch lists, having a stock that you just sort of keep your eyes on. Maybe you add to a portfolio. Let's see if we can give uh, Justin uh, a few more stocks for his watch list. Austin, what do you got? It can be related to his business or not. Well, uh, keeping it related to Justin's business, a stock on my watch list and a stock I, I own is Ford. And you know, maybe, Justin, you may have noticed over the last few years that you're probably towing a lot less Fords because reliability's gone up, even though they're, they're selling a lot more vehicles now. And they put out a really great lineup. Uh, and they're also extremely cheap today. Uh, um, trading very cheaply, uh, talented management, although we don't know how much longer he's going to be CEO. Alan Mulally. Alan Mulally. Yep. Um, but also, I think the Japanese automakers, as good and reliable as they are, have some short-term headwinds with the sort of ch- to the China angst that's going on right now. And in addition to that, you're fighting with a strong yen. Um, and the fact that they're just simply not as cheap as Ford or General Motors. So I think both of the domestic automakers deserve to be on your watch list, and Ford in particular. Brian, what do you think? Sure thing. Uh, well, I've got advanced auto parts. Uh, this is a do-it-yourself auto parts retailer who's making the shift into the do-it-for-me market. Now, that those silly little acronyms, DIY and DIFM, it basically means they have a bunch of stores where they sell auto parts to uh, people who want to fix their own cars, but they're getting into the market where they are uh, selling to uh, mechanics. Uh, so that's a transition that the company is going through right now. Um, honestly, it's a bit of a mediocre performer compared to its Piers, O'Reilly, and AutoZone. Uh, but that's where I think the improvement can come in. Um, this is a highly fragmented industry, so all three of those big guys can still afford to grow and improve at the expense of you know, the smaller mom-and-pop shops. Uh, and really, the reason that I wanted to uh, throw this one out to Justin is because he said he, he, he purchased Graftech and Cummins, both of which uh, are going to do well if there's an economic recovery. Advanced Auto Parts uh, is going to do well in, if we have a stagnant economy. Uh, the longer that cars are on the road, the more they need to be fixed up. Uh, contrary to Austin's pick, uh, if there's an auto turnaround, advanced auto might, uh, you know, you know, might not be the best play for you. But I think it's, it's good to it's have... It's a hedge. It's a hedge, it's a, especially with what he's already got in his portfolio. Jason? 
So you said he he took his money from a hole in one and invested in stocks. Yeah, so yeah just, he, man, uh, I, I just want to say term. first and foremost, Justin, congratulations. That is a really classy move right there. I mean, congratulations on the hole in one, and congratulations for buying stocks with that money because I know a lot of people that would have won that money and they'd have been just straight off of the. You would have blown it on right, another iPad right to the nineteenth hole. You would have gone to Radio Shack. It's distinctly possible. <laughs> it's distinctly possible. Uh, now, just in line with stock uh, stock watch list, I will give you one. It's it's not necessarily connected to your industry, but it's one in a roundabout way you could probably experience in one way or another on the roads. It's clean energy fuels. It's uh, that natural gas uh, company that is focused on bringing natural gas into primarily uh, the U.S. trucking industry and fleet vehicles all over all over the, the country, federal governments, state governments, uh, airports, and the like. Uh, they are building these fuel stations out and producing what's uh, known as America's Natural Gas Highway. Uh, has the support of T. Boone Pickens and uh, I believe Andrew Littlefair, CEO there, co-founders. Uh, I think it's at a, an attractive valuation right now for, I think, an exciting future. If they can build this America's Natural Gas Highway out to, to completion, which it looks like they will, I think that'll give them a very defendable position uh, and an admirable one that'll give them surprising power going forward. So, an interesting one to follow. Okay. Three stocks for Justin's watch list, and hopefully that makes up for the fact that we completely disagree <laughs> with his take on Ritz Crackers. Uh, Austin Smith, Brian Him, and Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank Thanks. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you. Lovely. Very nice. So does anyone else... Has anyone else ever eaten Freeze-Its? No, what are no. no. You put Cheez-Its in the freezer. <clears throat> They're incredible. Really? Why? Incredible. Why? I, mean, like, I don't know. How did you discover this? A uh, friend of mine. <laughs>